Ways. We're a show that tackles some pretty tough topics sometimes, but I have to say today is going to be a fun topic. And I have a special guest with me. Her name is Marcy Davis. Marcy, welcome. Hello, Heather. Thank you. And first of all, I have to say Marcy's an old pro at radio because she has her own podcast that she does on her particular area of expertise. And so uh, glad to have you with us in all sorts of ways, Marcy. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm thrilled to be here. Marcy is, uh, and we're we're going to talk more about your podcast coming up. Marcy is, I'm reading from your your biography because it's such an interesting biography. Marcy Davis is a transformation agent, thought leader, businesswoman, public speaker, and assistance dog advocate. Marcy has been a paraplegic for more than 40 years and has been partnered with service dogs for more than 20 years. So she really understands how assistance dogs can help us. Marcy, um, I, I also have had a service dog for almost 11 years and a different kind of service dog, though. And so we're going to talk a little bit about our different experiences with service dogs, and we're also going to talk about what makes an assistance dog, because we used to call them service dogs. Then we called certain types of dogs therapy dogs, and then we called certain types of dogs just companion animals. And let's clarify the language. What are we talking about? What are the different categories of dogs, and let's stick with dogs. I mean, some states re- allow monkeys, etc. But the Americans for Disabilities Act pretty much sticks to dogs, don't they? It does. It does. It used to be more broad, but they actually did um, narrow it a few years ago, and they really do stick to dogs. Although they do have a little special note toward miniature horses, but that's the only other animal. So it really is primarily dogs. Right. Now, your individual state might, uh, like I'm in Washington State, and we allow all sorts of other animals in state law, but yeah, that's not general. That's just in Washington State. And so right. if you are thinking about a service animal, animal, make sure that you check with your particular state's rules and guidelines. But for the general basic rule, we're talking about the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and we are talking about dogs. So what are we talking about when we're talking about Assistance dogs, therapy dogs, companion animals. Right. What are we talking? Well, about? you made a great point that it it has really broadened in dogs. I mean, we're seeing a lot more assistance dogs as really the umbrella term now instead of service dogs, because service dogs are primarily for mobility, and they're for people like me who uses a wheelchair that helps with some kind of mobility challenge. But assistance dogs has a much broader umbrella because that can be seizure dogs who are trained to detect some type of seizure, to alert to a seizure, for example, diabetes. Um, They're cancer alert. There's all different kinds. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg, really, Heather, at what dogs can do for us. We're just, just learning. Um, So there's lots of different things, hearing dogs, I think people mostly think of guide dogs, dogs that assist someone who um, is blind or has vision loss, and that's certainly the one that that has the most um, recognition because they've been around the longest. But assistance dogs, you know, for PTSD, um, you know, with veterans um, coming back and, and them having so much more access to PTSD assistance dogs, you know, I just think that it's just broadened so much and, and people are seeing 
assistance dogs out in public way more than we ever have in my lifetime, which is awesome, but that also um, has opened the door because, as you know, there is no regulation over assistance dogs. Um, It is not regulated. We have the Americans with Disabilities Act, and then, as you mentioned, we have state laws, but that's really about it. There's no regulation of trainers or programs, and so because of that, some things, you know, there have been some issues with people charging a lot of money um, for a dog and then not providing a quality dog that was public access trained. There's been a lot of public access issues. So there's lots for us to talk about today. (laughs) Well, no, I think we should talk about that because um, what my dog that I have is for PTSD. And as I said, I've had her for almost 11 years. She's a Newfoundland. It's astounding that she has been working for almost, it'll be 11 years in September. Wow, Um, that is unusual. Isn't that amazing? Um, Yeah. So I'm just... I've just been so fortunate to have her there, and she's just been a lifesaver. But what I have experienced uh, in my last 11 years with a service dog, and I call her a service dog, um, is that people a lot of times do not understand that if you do not have a visible disability, you're still allowed to have help via a service dog or an assistance animal. Um, and when we're talking about service dog versus, of course, the old-fashioned name was guide dog when, when just about on, the only dogs out there were um, seeing assistance dogs, and then we kind of switched it to service dogs because we realized that they could help with all sorts of mobility challenges and that kind of thing. And now I'm worried that if we start calling them assistance dogs that we're going to kind of water it down and people won't understand the important job that dogs do when you're talking about diabetes or hearing or PTSD. Um, are you seeing that as well, or is that just my experience that's making me worry about that? Well, that hasn't been my experience, Heather. And honestly, you know, I wrote a book 10 years ago called Working Like Dogs, the Service Dog Guidebook. And right as it was about to go to press, and this was 10 years ago, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, why did I call this service dog? I should have called it assistance dog because even then, 10 years ago, that was the terminology that was starting to be used in the industry because dogs were starting to do so many different types of jobs. So, uh, as I said, there's seizure alert. There are, you know, hearing dogs. There are lots of different types of dogs. So I think, you know, service dogs, really is is mobility, you know, and that's really as far as the way the industry looks at the definition, and it's been that way, you know, for a while. So I think about, that... What about the way that, that individuals, the, the public, the people that we encounter when we're out with our dogs, what do they see when you say, or what do they interpret when you say assistance dog instead of service dog? Well, the ADA says assistance dog. So, I mean, that's, that is in the ADA. So assistance dog, as I said, is the umbrella term, and then the individual can identify what type of dog they have that assists with their specific disability. Because, yeah. you know, you mentioned something that, you know, it's a, it's a huge problem with, with service dogs that are not fake service dogs is the term that I always see in the media. You know, that's what people refer to it. And, you know, under the ADA, a business 
has the right to ask you what your dog is trained to do for you. They can't ask you anything about your disability, but they can ask you what your dog has been trained to do. And under the ADA, it says that in order to be an assistance dog, the dog has to be trained to do something that is disability-related for the individual with a disability. We used to say that the difference between just a comfort animal and a working dog is that the working dog had to perform some sort of a task to help you with daily living. That's right. That's the difference. That's the key difference. and that's easy. It's easy to say, well, for example, uh, I have a friend who's wheelchair-bound, and he often drops things, and then his, he, has a, he compromises his balance when he tries to reach for them. And so he got a service dog that will help him retrieve items. That's a very clear-cut task. But for somebody like me with PTSD, those tasks are not necessarily as clear-cut. Yeah, that's where it starts getting muddy. Yes. Yeah, it is, and I've had friends and and colleagues over the years that have really struggled with that, um, and getting and having issues because they don't appear to have. I mean, it's obvious when you see me; I'm a wheelchair user, so it's obvious when you see me and Lovey. But for someone else, from some friends that I've had, it has not been obvious, and that's for a variety of disabilities. But but really, the only way they should really be asking you that question is if your dog is acting inappropriately in the business. That's the key. Is is your dog behaving? Yeah. And and that, I think, is the biggest difference. I mean, I have been places where my dog will see another dog who's wearing a vest and who's, you know, uh, um, um, by all appearances a service dog um, or an assistance dog. I have to start changing my vocabulary. You're educating (laughs) me here. Um, But I will know that that dog is not a, a trained assistance dog. Absolutely. And that dog will bark and that will... Now, I've noticed with my dog, Dilly, now that she's getting a little older, she'll kind of, like, start to walk over to a dog, and then I have to kind of correct her. Now, mm-hmm. that's new behavior, and I attribute it to her old age because I notice she's kind of thinking... You know that rule, like come here and leave it. Those are just kind of suggestions, aren't they? You know, <laughs> she's you know, a, she is a seasoned woman with her own mind. That's what we call that. Right. Yes. And, and, and I'm empathetic because I have to say, the older I get, the more I'm looking at a lot of those rules as me too. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I'm trying to. I don't. I don't come down heavy on her, but of course, I still. She still is working. She still but that has is- to follow the rules. And that's a great point. Well, I was going to say, I'm so glad you said that because people think when you get an assistance dog that they're a robot and that they're going to do automatically what you tell them to do. And I'm always Uh telling people, you are getting a living, breathing little being that has ideas and motivations of their own, and you have to constantly drop. (laughs) Yes, and they're a dog after all. And so you have to be diligent their entire working life. Yes, I have a retired one right now who I love to spoil, who is not working any longer. He's retired. And so he gets to lay on the couch and, you know, watch Oprah and enjoy his retirement. And and that's wonderful. But up until then, they're still working. So thank you for for saying that. That's the other thing that people don't seem to understand, the, the variety of jobs that dogs can do. And that, in fact, those jobs are legitimate. Um, yes. I have 
probably yes, and that they are different. So, for example, I have one friend who has a, a dog. Um, she uh, uh, suffered cognitive brain damage, and so her dog. How can I phrase this? She became almost agoraphobic because every time she would go out, if she'd go to park at the shopping center, she could not remember where her car was. Not like you and I can't remember. Like, where did I park? You know, right. it was like, right. I have no clue where I'm parked. Yeah. So she yeah. got an assistance animal, and that dog's only job is to take her back to her car. And, and yeah. she, it's one of those little purse dogs. Awesome. You know? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So she can That's park wonderful. anywhere. She can go into the store. When she's done shopping, she goes out any door, sets the dog down, and says car, and the dog takes her to her car. It has opened That's up her world. Beautiful. It has made yeah. her fully yeah. functional in this world. Well, and yet people see her with her little frou-frou dog, and yeah. they seem to think that And that we make assumptions, right? Up. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yes. We make false assumptions and judgments, and it's just, yeah, and we all do it. But I'm glad that you said that about a little tiny dog because, you know, as I said, we're just learning dogs' abilities to detect diabetes and other types of, of illnesses. And it's just, and, and it's all kinds of breeds that have the ability. And I've talked with trainers, and I'm like, how do you train a diabetic alert dog? And they said, we test them. We really don't train them. We test them to see if they have the ability. And then if they do, we work with them to enhance that ability. And then we train them how to be appropriate in public. That's, you know, you and know, it can, uh, people, people will say for about my dog, they'll say, oh, she's so well-trained. She's so well-trained. Um, and I say, yes, she, she's a working dog. That's, you know, that's yeah. how you behave when you're at work. You know? That's right. That's <laughs> right. No different. It's no different for dogs than for people, you know, when you're exactly. working, you behave, you're you know, professional. You're, that's right. And um, I, I remember reading a, a study a long time ago, and I'm probably going to really butcher this, but the gist of it is, is, uh, is still uh, the same information. I read a study where they took men who had been diagnosed with testicular cancer and men who had not been diagnosed, who were clear of it, and then they had a series of dogs, and they had the dog sniff, and these dogs identified almost, I mean, it was like 90% correctly. That's there, amazing. The times, the times that the dogs messed up, the only times that the dogs messed up, was when they sniffed the men who didn't have um, the cancer, and they identified them as having it. And every single one of those men that the dog sniffed within a year had been diagnosed with that. I was going to say, yeah. Well, I, have you ever seen a diabetic alert dog alert? Have you well, no, you know, I have. And you know, the in- interesting thing is, is that um, I uh, am also diabetic, and I started noticing that when my blood sugars would dip, my dog would start behaving really oddly. It's, it's amazing. And she would just, she just kind of taught herself how to let yeah. me know. Well, that's what I told you. They either have it or they don't. And I was having lunch with a woman that had a diabetic alert dog, and it was I, it was our first meeting, and we were having lunch, and we were just engaged in conversation, and her dog was, you know, I thought was misbehaving. See, I was judging, making making false assumptions. Shame on me! And I'm thinking, wow, these dogs need a little more training. And the dog, <laughs> we we were so enthralled in our conversation, and then she's like, oh my gosh, she's alerting me. 
and the dog alerted her 30 minutes ahead of her internal implanted pump, and the dog was right on. And it was so amazing, and so she took her medication, and then we got right back into our conversation, and an hour later, the dog started giving off a different signal, and her sugar was plummeting. And again, it was 30 minutes ahead of that medical device, which was, and then, um, it was amazing. I was just like, yeah, and shame on me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about those assumptions. I suspect that I may have um, uh, encountered more uh, assumptions from public than you have because your disability is visible. Um, I remember one time being at the gym, and my dog was, I I always get a, you know, I I do the elliptical machine, for example, and I always get a machine near the the wall or as close to the wall as I can, and my dog will lie down next to the wall because I don't want her to be in everybody's way. I mean, when you have a 136-pound dog, you have to try to be very close to get in other people's way. And so she lays there, and that's just our our habit. And then as soon, and and you talk about the timing. I usually do that for 35 minutes, 40 minutes maybe. As soon, I don't know whether she can sense my pace is slowing down during the cool down or what, but, boy, about 30 seconds before my timer goes off, she's standing. Okay, let's Mm -hmm. go. Yeah, and yeah. Um, she, we, we've just done this, and and we, like I said, she's al- almost 11 years old, and we've been doing this since she was about 16 weeks old, and so she's laying there, and a new woman that I hadn't seen before came into the gym, and was at a machine next to me, and she goes, "Oh, I didn't know we were allowed to bring our pets here." I said, "Well, she's not a pet; she's my my service dog," and honest to goodness, this woman looked me up and down and said, "Yeah." And you need a service dog. Yeah, yeah. I was so, uh, very rarely in my life do I get so angry that I feel physical anger. But you know how you you get angry and you feel that heat in your stomach just kind of going up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I felt that with that woman. I really did. And I just thought, you don't have a clue why I have this dog. You don't have a clue what you're saying, and yet you're standing there very arrogantly and self-assuredly, telling me that I don't, sh- I shouldn't have my dog here. Yeah. Have you encountered yeah. anything like that? Oh yes, because remember, Heather, I got my first dog way back in 1993. So <laughs> back then, yeah. it was not common to see someone other than someone who is blind with a guide dog. And when I first got my very first dog, Ramona, I was working for the Attorney General of Florida, and I got back from getting her, and I was back at work and and transitioning with her, and we were having an office birthday party, and I was supposed to meet my colleagues for lunch. So I go over to the restaurant, Ramona and I, and they would not let me in. (laughs) The restaurant would not let me in. And I'm sitting there in my big old wheelchair, and they said absolutely not. So I did not cause a scene, although I wanted to, but I was a lot younger, and it was my first encounter, so I was just like, you know, I'll go back and and try to, you know, get some information to them. Well, my um, colleague contacted the attorney general and told him what had happened to me, and the attorney general gave them a call. (laughs) It wasn't me. 
It was the Attorney General that called and said, let me remind you and let me suggest that you call her and apologize. So I did. I got a phone call (laughs) from the restaurant manager apologizing and inviting us to come back. And we did go back, and we did go, you know, because we wanted to have a good relationship because it's so important to educate people and, you know, to really change those ideas and false thoughts about it. But I have had so many encounters like that over the years. But but I have to say it's not as many as I as I used to. It's getting a lot better. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I mean, I haven't had, I think, overwhelmingly, the response to my dog has been positive. And I think a yeah. lot of that is because she's very well-behaved. I mean, I, I work well, that's radio. It. She's, she's a quiet dog. She does not bark. Yeah. I mean, if she needs to give me a signal, she does a woof. Yeah, You know, just yeah. a single woof, you know. And so if yeah. I'm in a restaurant or something, she needs something, it'll just be a little You know, woof. yeah. Well, and that's what you nailed it a little earlier when you said that you can tell immediately by the behavior of a dog whether or not a dog is authentic as a working dog or not. It's pretty quick to know that. Yeah. Well, and I think (laughs) the thing that people don't understand is that when you have a dog, even if it is a for real assistance dog, there are still rules. Your dog can't misbehave. Your dog can't That's right. Your dog certainly can't urinate or That's defecate right. in a public place. You know, or That's you ex- can be asked exactly to right. that dog. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Those dogs are suppo- they're supposed to not even really be seen. You know, they're supposed right. to just be behaved so well and that's how true working dogs are unless like you said there's something they're trying to tell you that they do need to go out to the bathroom or they do need something i mean if yep. if lovey gets restless <laughs> yeah if lovey <laughs> gets restless i know something's yeah. up with her because she's not like that you know so i that's my cue that i need to figure out what's going on with her as as a handler you know that i need to either get her out of a situation or I mean, we were we were at an event a few weeks ago, and there were people sitting next to us that were just so rude. They kept getting up and stepping over her, and stepping on her, and they kept doing it repeatedly. And she was getting very uncomfortable. And so we left. We left the event because I wanted to get her out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing too. You develop such a tight relationship with your dog that when your dog is uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yes. You want to not be there. You know, you want right. to not have the dog be uncomfortable. Um, I, you know, you mentioned the restaurant, and that happened to me once too. I met a friend at a, a nice restaurant. I mean, it wasn't like a four-star restaurant, but it was a, a fairly nice restaurant, um, kind of like a bistro kind of thing. And as soon as I walked through the front door with my dog the maitre d' said, you can't bring that animal in here. And I said, well, she is, uh, you know, a service dog is the terminology Mm -hmm. I used. And so she's technically, she's allowed, you know, to go where I am. And he said, no, not here. Get her out of here. Yeah. And I said, well, actually, it's a law that she can be there unless she's misbehaving. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, perhaps you could go check online, look up the Mm -hmm. Americans for Disabilities Act, you know, and he said, no, he didn't have a computer that he could do that with. And I went, is there a manager that you could call? Because I think you'll find that it's actually a law that my dog is allowed to be here. And he said, no, get that animal out of there. And so I left, and there was, 
seat, you know, there was some outdoor seating, so I sat there waiting for my friend, and my friend came, and she said, oh, you didn't go in? It's cold. And I said, I did go in, and I was kicked out. And she happened to know the owner. Apparently, this was one of a chain of restaurants. And she happened to know the owner, and she called him. And I actually felt really bad about this, because within minutes uh, of her hanging up, the maitre d' came out and said, uh, please come in. I was mistaken. And I went, okay, great. You know, and so he took us to an a seating area, and then he said, would you like a bowl of water for the dog? And I always, I usually say no unless there's a real reason that the dog might be thirsty. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because they do make a mess, and, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and so I said no, you know, but thank you. And I always try to put her in a wall or under the, near a wall or under the table mm-hmm. and if I can at all. I don't want people stumbling over her, and I don't want her to be in people's way. And he came, uh, and when he seated us, he said, your dinner is on the house. And I went, whoa, thank you. And then he came over a few minutes later and said, and I hope you're happy because I just lost my job. Yeah. I felt well, terrible. Yeah, but, but my you know. But my said he could, have, he could have tried to research it. He yeah, I was going to say, you know, yeah. And I'm sure there were probably other issues, Heather, that had nothing to do with you that you didn't know about. So, you know, yeah, sometimes... It still made me feel, like, uh, crummy. I mean, it made me feel yeah. crummy because that's, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't... I, I mean, so I that don't, wasn't your intent at all. Yeah, you just wanted to have dinner with your friend. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. really it. Well, and, yeah. And, and, and he could have checked, but I've also encountered places, like I do a lot of road trips, and I always laugh and I say my dog has four-hour kidneys and I have a three-hour caboose, so between <laughs> the two of us we stop frequently, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and I usually try, if there's a little store or something, I'll just go in or whatever. And I was actually in Montana a few months ago, stopped for gas, and there was a little antique shop. And so I took the dog and walked into the little antique shop, and this woman said, get that dog out of here. And I went, oh, well, she is a service dog. And the woman said, I don't care what kind of dog she is, get her out of here. And I said, okay, fine, you know, it's okay with me, but you, you really should know, you should investigate, mm-hmm. because... That's a federal law you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If you get somebody prickly in here, it could be really, you know, some difficult yeah. consequences for you. So yeah, I yeah. look at it from a standpoint of, you know, I'd like you to educate yourself. Right. I've had right. enough battles in my life. I don't care to initiate any kind of big battle over this. I really don't. Yeah, I feel the but same way. It could be different. But sometimes you else. have to. You have to. But sometimes you have to. You know, to really to ensure for the next person who's going to come along, you know, so you have to educate sometimes. And I think that's one of the things that I also share with people when they're thinking about getting an assistance dog is you do become an ambassador in a lot of ways for assistance dogs. When you take that leash, you know, and take that dog out into public, you do have to really um, realize that you are going to have those encounters sometimes and hopefully not often, but it is a responsibility, I think, us. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and what are some of the questions that you have gotten? I am always fascinated by people's <laughs> questions. The, the first one always, always seems to be, what does your dog do for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's so the most. Why do you have that dog? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I always yeah. tell them, I always smile very nicely and say, well, you know, Actually, sometimes people might not want to tell you their medical condition, but 
service dogs are used for all sorts of things from diabetes to, you know, um, um, hearing loss to PTSD, and it, the, the dogs help people conduct their lives in a normal uh, as possible fashion. So I kind of gloss over the question of, you know, what's wrong with you mm-hmm. and try to make an educational thing. And for the most part, people are fine with that. I've had one or two people who were a little prickly about that. Um, but I think, again, they were people who questioned my right to have a service dog. Yeah. Because well, it's funny. When I wear my sunglasses, people think I'm blind. <laughs> I have that happen a lot. <laughs> you know, my daughter and I were in this big fancy department store. I'd had an eye surgery, and they give you those ugly. Right, know, right, those dark, dark, dark glasses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so we we passed this fancy department store, and I said, I want to get some decent sunglasses so I don't look like, you know, you know the, a construction worker. And so we went in, and we had my dog with us, and, and I'm trying on sunglasses, and I'm talking. I have the dog next to me, and I'm talking to my daughter, and I'm looking in a mirror going, does this look okay? Do you think these look better than these? And my daughter started laughing, and she said there were half a dozen people looking at me quizzically as I had yes. with the dog, the sunglasses, <laughs> and my looking in exactly. the mirror, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the confusing part for them, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I get that every summer. Yeah, every summer I have somebody that will will think, assume that I'm blind. Yeah. 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 yeah but no. Well, the, no. The other thing that I think of is identifying a, a working dog. Um, oftentimes, you know, they'll wear the vests, but in fact, the vests are not required by law in in many places. And right. Because my my dog is so large, and because I tend to go the same places, and she has a heavy coat, and, you know, if I'm traveling mm-hmm. in summer, everything, I tend to be pretty loosey-goosey with the vest, um, which is probably not the best approach for me. Um, but they, the, all the vests look like a little collar across the back of her shoulders, you know. And quite frankly, I've never seen people, you know, leave their hands off of her just because they saw the vest anyway. You know, what's your approach on the vest? Do you always wear the vest? Well, I get my dog from an agency, so they require us to have the vest. Uh, and I ha- okay. and I have to say that the vest does help. And you're right, the ADA does not require a vest, but it definitely helps to give her easier access. I think. Um, yeah. But. I have had, um, and some of the vests that I've had over the years, some of them have said, please don't pet me, I'm working. And I love to snap photos of people petting her right at that, right at that statement. <laughs> yeah, because but people are a little better. But I was at a meeting last week in a restaurant, and this older man was whistling for Lovey. He would not stop. You know, when I'm in the middle of a business meeting, and he would not stop whistling at her. And Lovey was looking at me like, what is wrong with him? You know, it was like so inappropriate. But, uh, well, I think you yeah. get both ways, you know, because you get people who love dogs. Right. And then you get the people who hate dogs. And, oh, yes, you know, and I've had really bad experiences with that. Yeah. 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 And, I, I and culturally. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, different cultures have different um, opinions and feelings of dogs, and that's been yeah. some of my encounters on airplanes and traveling internationally of of having some negative experiences with that. But luckily the airlines were very respectful and, and helped to 
receipt people, but I did have two really negative incidents over the years that were a little chilling. Yeah, I had one. Um, we had um, I we had a, a person of a different faith uh, cleaning the studios, and I started noticing. I had a, a studio at the radio station that had a clo- closed door on it, so my dog and I were in there. And all of a sudden I started thinking, boy, they need to replace the vacuum cleaner in here. This carpet is a mess. And yeah. it just kept getting dirtier and dirtier. And finally I said to one of the guys that was there at night, I said, "Do they? are they not cleaning? And they said, no, they don't clean your room. They just go by yeah. and close the door because you've had a dog in there. And I went, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, for, you know, fortunately the building had 76 floors. And so I just called management and I said, look, you've got, what, one, two people that have this opinion about dogs. Mm-hmm. Give them a different floor because there were only two service dogs in the entire building. So I said, you know, right. switch floors and yeah, this yeah, you can easily figure that out. Yeah, I've been refused taxi service before um, in Boston Ooh. because of having a dog. That's happened to me twice. Um, that happened to me I, in Hawaii with the taxi drivers. Wow, Hawaii! Hawaii. You wouldn't think that they, they would yeah. not take the dog. And yeah, finally, I had yeah. to call the hotel and say, none of these people will take the dog. But, yeah. I mean, in fact, that's the law. And so the, yeah. the hotel sent a car for me. But I yeah, thought, boy, nice. am I the only one, you know, where, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I missed my flight because of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I ended oh. up staying a day longer in Boston because of that. But And, in fact, I actually went through the uh, Boston police had a taxi um, division and so I actually contacted them and filed a report and they did um, cite the driver and he had to go to training before he could continue driving so I was really happy about that that he at least got some education I hope but it was pretty appalling um, the way he was well, treating me and my dog that a dog might be dirty but I think oh yeah certain cultures do my dog goes to the beauty shop every month. I don't. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Lovey has a standing appointment. She got her nails done this morning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. Yes. I, mean, I, I think that when you have a legitimate service dog that you know is going to go places with you, including restaurants, yeah, you including to. you know places of work, that you try mm-hmm. to be extra careful about yes. cleanliness dog and grooming. Yeah, I mean, that's another part, part of that public access, yeah, that they need to be appropriate in public and not have any odor that, or we, yeah we talked we talked earlier about you know a, a public place can request the dog be removed if it's not behaving properly can it request that if it's not clean well i think it would depend on what the issue was and if it was jeopardizing the safety of other people in that environment that's really the bottom line is is it jeopardizing someone else's safety so yeah, if, if it's really, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I have never seen a working dog that was not pristine. I look at them as Olympic athletes. You know, they're yeah. the best, they're the most fit, they're the most beautiful. You know, their coats, they're, you know, because they have to be in top condition to do the work that they do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always say that about my dog. I mean, the fact that she's she's a Newfoundland and she's going to be 11 very soon. That's a very advanced age for a, a Newfoundland. That for the is. Yeah. And I, she's had the best of health care, the best of grooming, the best of that's training. Right. She has had, mm-hmm. you know, for her whole life. Um, yeah. So, you know, why should yeah. she be long? You know. Um, yeah. But. 
Let's talk. I'm looking at the clock. We're having such a good time talking, and I hope this is educational for folks out there because I think, you know, there there isn't a real good, strong understanding of what assistance dogs do for everyone. Um, but let's talk about that dirty little elephant in the living room. Um, there's fake service dogs. Now, my yes, personal belief might be different from yours. My personal belief is no matter how many rules, no matter how many, how much legislation, no matter what you come up with, people who are determined to break the rules are going to figure out a way to break them. Meanwhile, my concern is it's not cheap having an assistance dog. It's not cheap at all. And the more rules you encounter, usually the pricier things become. So I'm not a huge fan or a proponent of, well, We've got to come up with more legislation. We've got to come up with more rules. We've got to come up with more licensure. Are you? Well, I think I definitely, um, I have some thoughts about all of that for sure. I mean, I I agree you with you that people, okay. <laughs> that people, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about it because I agree with you that people are going to, to try and break a rule or a law. Absolutely. It's human nature. And people love their dogs, and they want to take their dogs. And when I'm out in public, that's what people will say, oh, I wish I could bring my dog. They don't understand what it took for my dog to be in public. But, you know, people are going to try to do that. I've had people, even family members, ask me if they could use one of my dog's extra vests to try and take their dog. Yeah. So, you know, people absolutely, they're going to do that. But that jeopardizes public access for people like you and me because I have been at a conference, a disability conference, and there was a dog there who was not trained that attacked my dog. Attacked. And the conference coordinators would do nothing. They didn't even ask that. Are you kidding me? No. And I left that conference because I did not, I wanted to get my dog out of there. But I had to do some extra training with my dog it caused him to be stressed and and caused him to be nervous around other dogs so there's such consequences that you know and people have to understand that a working dog has to be working it has to focus on its job it can't be a dog that's distracted by a bird or another animal that's right or jeopardize their safety to be jeopardized like that so i that is why i would support some kind of penalty or regulation for people not to have as easy of an opportunity to take their dog into public and jeopardize the safety of another working dog. So that's my thoughts about that because I've had my dog attacked twice um, over the years pretty badly. One was by a dog that was in a florist of all places um, that was with the owner. And the dog came out and attacked my dog as I was getting on a um, elevator to go to the subway in D.C. And then the other was wow. at this conference where I should have been safe at that conference. Yeah. And it was very shocking, and, and it was a huge dog. And it was, yeah, it was pretty scary. So that's my biggest concern is that dogs that are not trained are not appropriate to be in public and things can go wrong really quickly. The other thing that I feel strongly about are people taking their dogs when their dogs are not trained to be in stressful public situations, and that is cruel to me to dogs. So I have a big issue with that, 
and people who are not trained and not educated in a working dog do not understand the the stress that they may be putting their dog through. Yeah. I've seen dogs just salivating. They're just... Yeah, I agree with everything that you said, um, but I just don't know how you can enforce it without ratcheting things up for the pe- I mean, it's expensive to have a, a, a service dog. It really is expensive. Well, it really it's, shouldn't it's impact us. I mean, I mean, if you're doing everything for your working dog, it really shouldn't impact us. Well, yeah, it. but if, if they're requiring special licenses, if they're requiring, you know, special certified trainers, and in some states, you're allowed, in Washington State, you're allowed to train your own dog. People will yeah. ask me how, uh, how, you know, who trained my dog, and I'll say my dog mm-hmm. has had three trainers. And I always say we have had three trainers because, mm-hmm. in my view, 90% of dog training is people training. Well, the ABA um, doesn't require your dog to be trained by an agency. It can be self-trained. Yeah. yeah. But how, then, you know, if you start imposing rules or certifications on the trainers, you know, then that's going to add an expense, I think. You know, I I don't know, but I think I would be willing to do that to ensure that my dog is safe because I don't want a $30,000 animal that's going to be attacked at a public event, you know, by a a dog because then that was a whole lot of expense that I had to backtrack and go do extra training and do that work with my dog. And, and, you know, and he could have had to have been retired, you know, because of that, which would have been a whole other big expense. So to me it's like... Well, you know, that... That happened to me in a bookstore once. I had my dog, and, and my dog's pretty mellow. I mean, I think you're familiar with Newfies. They're, they're pretty mellow. Yeah, and they're we were so walking beautiful. down the aisles, and, and all of a sudden, um, it was like either a husky or a German Shepherd husky mix, something you know, in, of that, that shape and, and size, um, was with a person in one of the stacks. And so as I was walking down the aisle, this dog came racing out, bit yeah. my dog on the nose, and actually drew blood. And yeah. was snarling and snapping, and the handler pulled it back. The handler was not particularly distraught about that, and mm-hmm. I saw that the dog was wearing a search and rescue vest. Hmm. And I thought, wow! And then when I saw, the, I mean, I just took my dog and went moved on, got away from there. Yeah, yeah. But then when I yeah. looked down and saw the blood on my dog's nose. I went back and I said, "Tell me that your dog has had all of its shots, and tell me mm-hmm. you know uh, everything." Right. And of course, of course, it has. But then I started thinking: our search and rescue dogs—they're working dogs, but they're not the same as assistance dogs. No, right? they should not have the same public access. No, no, it's very different. But even those yeah. dogs, you know, they're still trained. The ones that are, you know, that are professional—you know—I've never seen a search and rescue dog act like that. You That's know, they're true. always very. They're very professional, the ones that I've seen. So, again, I would question, I mean, why would they need a search and rescue dog in a bookstore? That's totally inappropriate, you know, unless there was, well, there was I mean, something related to work. With him, unless, unless he was socializing the dog. I don't know how much those dogs need to be socialized, but I don't know. I, I agree with you that there should be consequences, whether it's an assistance dog or a companion animal, if your animal isn't socialized, if your animal can't behave, if your animal is a danger to other people, of course you should have consequences for that. Yeah. Well, Assistance Dogs International, they have a public access test. And so they really encourage and advocate for self-trained dogs to take that test, for their handler and their dog to take that test. And if they can if they can do all of the tasks on there, great. 
then yes, then they're ready for public access. But if they can't, then there's some things they need to work on to make sure that they can be appropriate to be in public. So I love that public access test because it's a really great little test. It's really easy to take, and it's just some different things that your dog needs to be needs to do to be in public, which is some of the things yeah. you mentioned, like lying down, going under a table. You know, some of those things are on that test, which is what a working dog needs to be able to do. Yeah. You know, I, I was still going into a restaurant under the table. I was in a large restaurant with friends, and the table was large enough. If it's large enough and the, the legs are configured properly, I can actually back Dilly up under the table, and she can lie under there, and nobody even knows she's there unless they look. And that happened in this restaurant. It was exactly a large table. She backed backed up underneath the table, laid down, and, and she was just fine. And about halfway through our meal, the young manager came over, and he kind of kneeled down at the end of the table and said, how's your dinner going? Well, I guess Dilly, I'd never trained her for what to do if somebody kneels down in front of her under a table. I mean, that just had never come up before. And so she didn't get up, but she scooted toward him and licked his hand, and he just right. about had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have a clue there was an animal under yeah. there, you know. Yeah, that's it, because she was behaving so properly, yeah. Well, it's yeah, that's hand. awesome. No, but, I, you know, I mean, they, you, you, they're just not used to... Right, but he got in her space, yeah, so she's like, yeah. hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, you know, and, so and things sweet. like that do come up, even with the most well-trained animal. Of course, um, always, yeah. You know, where it's just a situation that they haven't been trained for, and so they right. kind of wing it, you know. Um, yeah. Again, I, I want to get off the topic of... of um, fake dogs, but I did want to just throw this out. There are apparently websites people can go to to just order vests. Oh, yeah. And they could go, and um, I was sitting next to a woman at the library one day who had one of the little purse puppies, and she was talking to her friend. Her friend said, just as you had mentioned, I wish I could bring my dog with me. And the first woman said, you can. I'll show mm-hmm. you the website, and for $40, you can buy yep. a credential that it yep. is a license. You know, or, yes. or a, a certified. That's certified. a huge problem. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yep, that's a huge, yep. huge. And I, I just said to the woman, disservice. I said, save your forty dollars. <laughs> you know, save your forty dollars yeah. because that doesn't yeah. mean anything. You no, know, I, I mean, I have never seen anywhere um, that uh, you know gives. I mean, you have organizations that hand, you know, that that facilitate assistance dogs mm-hmm. who may give some sort of credentialing, but there is no. There's no requirement. Or, no. Yeah, yeah, permit or anything like that. So just save your, no. if you're going to try and take your service dog, you may as well save your $40 for any fees that you incur because of your dog's bad behavior. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> appalling. Yeah, it really is appalling yeah. and, and very concerning, like I said, for safety. Yeah, for safety yeah. reasons. Yeah. For our dogs yeah, and for these, these poor dogs that are not prepared to be in these types of situations, that is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I was leaving a um, an airplane once, and a pilot was behind me, and he said, can I pet your dog? And I turned around, and I said, well, my dog is working right now, so I would, you know, uh, we, we don't do the petting mm-hmm. um, when, it, when it's working. And he looked at me, and he said, then I know that your dog is a legitimate service dog. It's well-behaved, and you're cautious about letting people touch it. But I had to yeah. laugh a little bit, because being such a large animal, 
Um, I learned, I mean, I can be in an elevator with my dog. People don't even have to bend over to pet her. So I learned, and the trainers and I came up with a strategy where, you know, going along with the philosophy of if you, if you can't stop the behavior, own the behavior and control it. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, only we were using that for the, the human beings. So, um, you know, it, what I would say to her if I saw somebody going to reach for her and I didn't have time to get them to stop or whatever, I would say, say hello, Dilly. Mm-hmm. And then that yeah. gave her a little clue. Somebody's going to touch yeah. me. You know, mm-hmm. somebody's going to try. And it puts you in in more control of that situation, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. that's great. Yeah, yeah. So for her, we do. You know, I mean, because we simply couldn't stop it. Um, so we try to control other people touching her and petting her. Um, but there was no way we could just stop it. I mean, I, I it right. would happen without me seeing it. You know. So we yeah. tried to control it, but I, I kind of laughed at the pilot, thinking that because I wouldn't let him, you know, pet my animal, that, that was a sign of, you know, uh, a well-trained dog. Because in fact, people do touch my animal, and I can't stop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you you do what you can do. So, what's the best experience you have ever had with one of your your assistance dogs? Oh gosh, so many. Oh my goodness, just waking up with them every morning and looking at that face. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. That's pretty pretty priceless. I mean, it's yeah. I I am amazed. You know, even though I've had one all these years, I am still blown away every day by the human animal bond. I I yeah. just feel so fortunate and having a disability is no fun, and I certainly would not wish that for anybody, but I tell you what, there has been a gift of this human animal bond because I've had it now four times. And I would have never experienced that or been exposed to that. And that has just been an incredible gift that changed my life, changed my perspective. I mean, it's just, it's been amazing. Yeah, can't say enough about it. Yeah, and for me, my dog has been a lifesaver, literally a lifesaver. Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah. yeah. And, And, you know, how do you evaluate that? How do you... Um, you know, I mean, my my children will say, I mean, we've always had dogs, but this is my first assistance dog, and it's different. It's different. Oh, yeah, it's different, I yeah. Have, yeah. You know, I've never just gotten down on the floor and roughhoused with a dog because she's my yeah. working dog, and I have to be in charge. That's she's right. She's never been up on my bed. She's never been yeah. up on the furniture. You You're know, a little I, pack. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. She So... It's different from, you know, just Fido in the house. But yeah, in some ways, yeah. it's greater. It's so much greater. And my kids will well, say, you know, now that, that Dilly is reaching, you know, her, her age. Well, that's what I was going to say. Not to, yeah, that's that's when you really know it, Heather, is when you lose them. Because I wasn't oh prepared. God. I was not prepared for how much that was going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. And And the reason that I think it did for me, at least, is because because of that human animal bond and because of my disability and how much my dog changed that for me and was such a part of my independence and so losing that and transitioning to another relationship it was pretty darn hard and i i've done it four times now but it's really you know it's yeah i was going to say it's going to be it's hard prepare yourself and you really can't prepare totally but but it's 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 a different kind of grief and loss. It really is. Yeah. Well, I know sometimes when I just think about it, I just, you know, I mean, I just can't even imagine. It's overwhelming. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, I know it's coming. She's already exceeded her life expectancy yeah. by a yeah. couple of years. You know? Yeah, I was going to um, say, you're on borrowed I, time. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. get it because I've been through it. I have one right now that's retired, and I'm looking at that with him. He's 12 and a half, and for a large dog, he has exceeded his time. And so I know every day is so precious, and I don't it take is. it for granted. Yeah. You know, somebody yeah. asked me the other day, I've always been very careful about her diet and, you know, what she ate and never gave her people food, never, never gave her lots of treats. I would slice up my sweet potatoes and dehydrate them. That was her treat. Mm-hmm. And now that she's age, you know, people will say, can she have a this, that, and that? she can have whatever she wants. Yeah, yeah. that's if how I am too with mine. Yeah, they've earned it. it. You know? Yeah, yeah. At this point, you, know, you want ice cream, yep. you got it, sweetie. Yeah. You got it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, the, because what it comes down to is these dogs give us our lives. Yeah, Not that do. we wouldn't have lives without them, but we wouldn't have of the course. same life. And we, but the quality of life that they give us, yes, yeah. is just yeah. it's amazing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that's hard to articulate. It really is. It is. It is. And I think, you know, for those people in the audience who don't quite get dogs or don't quite get this, and maybe have just a little sense of annoyance when they see one of these animals out where, you know, in a, in a restaurant or a Starbucks or whatever, bear in mind that this dog is not just Fido out in the backyard that, that you're throwing tennis balls for. This dog is working. This dog is yeah. giving us a piece of life that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, yeah. And it's, it's an amazing thing. I want to talk yes, a little bit about your radio show. Well, we still have a few minutes left. Tell us about... Um, Pet Life Radio. What's that all about? Sure. It's um, my show is Working Like Dogs, which is on Pet Life Radio. And really, it's just a whole celebration of working dogs. And we talk a lot about assistance dogs, but we also talk about the latest issues with working dogs, period. So we do have search and rescue teams on. We have police dogs, all different types of working dogs. But Primarily, we do focus on different types of assistance dogs, hearing dogs, seizure alert. Um, I just had a, a guest on that has a bed bug alert dog, which I, I, I was interested in. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you know, that I'm interested a... in, <laughs> that's who yeah, comes on the right. show. Isn't that the beauty of it? Um, you know, one of the, one of my uh, acquaintances had a service dog, an assistance dog. I have to quit, I have to start changing my vocabulary here. Um, but she had an assistance dog, and she was definitely allergic to certain kinds of molds. Mm-hmm. She, they were able to train that dog so that oh, when yeah. she would go yeah. into a new room, a new building, it would go that's right. the perimeter, come back that's and right. whether it was okay or whether it wasn't. I mean, that's think right. about I how just... that opened world yeah you know well i just interviewed a, a woman who has a dog at a, hos- a hospital in canada that does that very thing for um for different types of infectious diseases and so they have the dog goes in and does a sweep to see if there's MRSA, if MRSA is anywhere in a room and i wow. mean it's amazing where they have even cleaned these rooms prior to the dog coming in and the dog will alert and it's always right so that's yes. pretty powerful, and they're they're just and now she's being requested to train dogs for other hospitals. So when I was saying that we're just getting to the tip of the iceberg of what kind of jobs yes. dogs can do, that's an example, a prime example of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I uh, will share a real quick story about Newfoundlands. I, I love all, most dogs, not Chihuahuas. I have to confess, I've never been a fan of a Chihuahua, <laughs> but most dogs I think are great. 
animals. But Newfoundlands are just special, in my view. And the first time I ever met one, I, I was living in the country, walked up the farm road, and there would be the farm pond. And I would either see the Newfoundlands that the farmer had in the water, or I would see the kids in the water. And I didn't know anything about Newfies, and I didn't know that they're wonderful with children and water rescue and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I saw the farmer <laughs> out one day, and I said, do you have to keep the dogs away when the kids are there? Do they hurt the kids? And he started laughing. He said, no. Yeah. He said, the kids... If I let the dogs out, the kids get out in the middle of the pond, and they start screaming and yelling and having a grand time, and the ki- the dogs think they're in trouble, so they drag them back to shore yes, to rescue yep. them. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're so beautiful. Mm, they yeah. really are. Well, yeah. um, again, the name of your show is, uh, well, uh, you wrote a book called Working Like Dogs. Yep, yep, dogs and we have a website books. called Yep, Working Like Dogs is a website as well where we have information and just try to keep the latest things that we hear about, we just try to share information. That's really what it's all about, to try to educate people. Do a show on pet insurance. I am so, I've always carried pet insurance on my dog and the price of it is sky high. You know, I've never had a, and and how do you evaluate and what do you look for? You know, I'm actually working on another book and we have a chapter in there about pet insurance. So, yeah, we're actually looking into that right now to try and help people make some choices, some good choices about pet insurance. Yeah, and care credit. That's another thing out there, too. So we're including all of that in the new book. Oh, great. Can't wait to see it. Keep me in mind. Send me an email when it comes out. I will. I appreciate your time coming on the show, Marcy Davis. I don't know whether it was as much fun for you as it was for me, but I had a great, <laughs> great hour talking with you and talking Thank you, Heather. With me you. too. Me too. Thank you end, so much. I always end our show with a quote, and today's quote is from a gentleman named Roger Karras. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's a photographer and a writer. And I this quote is particularly appropriate to our topic today about assistance dogs. He said, dogs are not our whole life, but they make our lives whole. And certainly I think that's the case when we're talking. Thank you so much for joining us on Three Women's Three Way. See you next time. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. All right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, That's a lot of colors Mm -hmm. (laughs) and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.